Before we begin the episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Actimet, an athlete wellness and performance monitoring system. Actimet allows players to share their training load, training intensity and highlight issues away from sport, empowering management to help players in a safe, secure and private manner. Players input their performance and wellness data on an easy-to-use mobile app. Actimet is an affordable monitoring system at less than €50 a month and is currently used by county and All-Ireland champions and over 50 soccer academies worldwide. For more information, please visit actimet.com for more. Welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 70, I'm delighted to be joined by four-time All-Ireland winner and all-star goalkeeper Kira Trapped. On this episode, we discuss her unexpected starting goal, failure and setback at an early age, upcoming talent, underrated skills and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with Kira, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi Kira, thanks a million for joining me on the podcast. Welcome. Uh, before we get into everything, uh, talk us through a little bit um, of kind of your path to goalkeeping because you did actually begin as an outfield player for Dublin underage. I did. Um, I played outfield all the way up through underage. Okay. It was um, like I was playing midfield. I was up in, the, up in the boards at my club and then under 14s at Dublin, I was plonked in full back in my first match. So I kind of tasted a bit of everywhere, but... When we were a minor, coming up to the All-Ireland semi-final, um, we'd no goalkeeper for a challenger match. And I, I remember I was standing on you know, the big crest in the middle of the AstroTurf in Bridget's and the manager just asked if I go and goal. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like I wasn't getting my game outfield. And I said, sure, it's better playing one game and goal, whether it be a challenge or a proper game. And played that and have been stuck in goal ever since, thankfully. Because, you know... Yeah. It's worked out well for me, I think. <laughs> and did you end up playing for that Dublin team in goal? Was it a did you kind of realise yeah. you went into goal? Was it a match made in heaven kind of sort of? I wouldn't say match made in heaven. I think it just worked. <laughs> um yeah, it was we played Cork in the All Ireland semi final. This was 2012. And um we used to name the team like before the match. It wasn't named like the training session beforehand or anything. So anybody who had a match programme at the match knew I was in goal before I even knew I was in goal. Um, so they just right like seconds before the warm-up, um, seconds before the warm-up, they just called out the team and like I don't even remember much of the warm-up. It was all a blur. And I remember running out onto the pitch, uh, Peter Hickey is a photographer. He, he offered me his his hat in case the sun was in my eyes because he knew I had the leader. Um, but yeah, all Ireland semi-final we won and then we won the uh, all Ireland final that year at minor as well, and the rest is history, so they say. Yeah, that's gas. And was there any particular like when you went into goal? Because obviously goalkeeping is so different to be playing outfield. But how did you find in terms of like communication? Because that's a really big thing as a goalkeeper. Yes, it's big outfield, but I I know from watching goalkeepers, it's like this other this other world of of what you have to communicate with your backs. Yeah, I like. I suppose I'm sports mad, so I kind of had a clue about what I should be doing. Okay. Uh, just copy people I watched. Um, so I kind of had a, a fair idea and I just went with it. And you look, know, in fairness, the team were very, very encouraging. Like the girls mm-hmm. only had great things to say about me mm-hmm. uh, the first couple of weeks. So that, you know, helped massively. 
Um, but yeah, I'm not going to lie, I winged it. We didn't have a goalkeeper coach or anything, so oh, it was wow. just trial and error. Okay. Yeah, right. no. Okay, just, interesting. Just standing goal for the, the match at the end of training and, and that was it. Jesus, wow. Well, it definitely changed since then. Why, why do you love being in goal? What, what kind of, like when you said yes and you kind of realised this, this is great, what do you think is the big kind of reason for you to go and go? I don't love being in goal at all. Oh, do you not? Compared to the outfield. No, no, I don't. Um, anytime I get a bit of freedom to run around the pitch, I milk it as much as I can. I love I love club training where you can, you know, the no goalkeepers, hand pass over the bar. I yeah. love it. Time of my life. Um, no, I've, uh, I, I think underage, I, I always was a really good pass for the ball. Um, okay. I'm a very good strike. So I think their rationale with, for asking me to go and go was she has a she has a good kick she can pick out a pass and obviously kick outs are a huge part of the game they didn't expect me like first match conceded five goals in all Ireland semi final yeah you know we still, but, we still uh, won that's impressive though we, we still, still won, won. Yeah. we still won I actually there was there was a penalty that day and I I don't know how I managed to save the penalty but then they had to retake the penalty for whatever reason I don't actually know what it was. And she clipped it over the bar. So oh, right. save, you know, I saved a penalty my first <laughs> day, but then I think I was lobbed twice, maybe, or something like that. Standard yeah. ladies' football goals. Yeah. Um no, it's it, it's definitely against my kick. Yeah. Mm. Is is there any particular thought process you go through for a kick out? Like I'm always fascinated by the individual approach and particularly as a goalkeeper because yes, it's a team sport and it's similar to free taking, but when you are kicking out the ball it's very individualised and there is a lot of pressure on you to get the ball to the right spot. Yeah, there is. I kind of, I, I just look at it as like a free kick from anywhere in the field, like a free kick from the full back line. Obviously there's certain rules to it as well. And mm-hmm. But no, I don't have much of a thought process. I think it's very important to understand how the person you're kicking to likes to receive the ball or what their strengths or weaknesses are. Or, mm-hmm. You know, so some people would may be maybe good fielders of the ball. So if you're kicking it to them, it has to be nice and gentle, or maybe a bounce pass, or then you know, you know, if you're in trouble, who to hail marry the ball on top of. It's very important, you know, that it's someone that's good in the air. It's at least going to break it. So mm-hmm. being able to kick the ball to somebody in a way that it's going to suit them is really, really important. Um, well, I don't, I don't think I have much of a, a thought process. I kind of, I'm a believer in the less you think about something the better you perform. You know, when you start to think and overthink things, you know, the margin for error is much greater. When you're just playing with a bit of freedom or inflow, that's that's when it comes naturally to you and that's when you make less mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's a great point there. And um, From your perspective in goal over the last number of years, how has the game evolved, do you think? Um, is there anything that, like even for kickouts, for an example, like we've seen in the men's game as well, you're not just lumping the ball to a certain spot, maybe that would, that was the case 10 years ago but is there any particular element that you've just seen that's really stood out over the past number of years I think it is that not lumping the ball okay. you know it's you still see it at club, at club level you know someone who's inexperienced in goal or maybe doesn't have a very high understanding of the game maybe or it's kickable that it's just maybe their tactics is just get the ball as far away from our goal as possible and it's just the hoof 50-50 up the field, especially when you go down the divisions. That seems to be the case. But no, it's definitely in ladies football, I'd say over the last three years in particular, ladies football at senior into county level is moving more towards retaining possession. 
from kickouts and using that as a launch pad to attack more so than just restart the game. Um, I think goalkeepers are involved in open play a lot more as well. Um, and kickouts kind of, you know, you see Monica McGurk with Mead with, and um, Martin O'Brien this year at Cork were receiving a lot of balls back off the defenders on kickouts. Um, you know, so th- that's something that was never done before. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a new phase or a new evolution um, of football this year of kickouts. So, yeah, it's definitely changing, but I think there's a lot more respect for, for goalkeepers and what you expect your goalkeeper to be able to do is a lot higher. If your goalkeeper can't kick, if your goalkeeper hasn't got the standard skills similar to your outfield players, well, you know, your your team's not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely the kick out, but the respect for the role of the goalkeeper and expectations on the goalkeeper as well. Definitely massive change. And I think it's only the start of it as well. We have a long way to go. Um, before we get to the men's level of what they're at. You mentioned club there, just out of interest. Um, I, I know you play senior um, division standard with, with St. Bridget's in Dublin. How far off is the Dublin club championship from inter-county? Is there much of a gap? Is there a really big gap? What, what do you make of it? Um, I think the gap is closing. Um, but there is still quite a gap there. Um, I think maybe on the lot of last seven or eight years um, in Dublin, Division One anyway, like Fox Cab have been front runners and, you know, it's it's there at a different level to everybody else. So it's nearly, you know, you go out nearly not expecting to lose against Fox Cab, but not being so surprised if you do. And they're competing against against the rest. Um, I think, you know, Nafina were unlucky. Bridges, we became, we became unlucky as well, but Fox Cab have definitely been the standard bearers um, so they were close enough to Dublin standard. They had a lot of inter-county players as well. Um, so they were closest to bridging the gap, but the rest of us were, we were miles behind. And that's definitely closing, but just the standard of football, uh, basic skills and, and football intelligence is, is lagging behind a little bit. Um, but I think what's contributing to that is how far we've pushed it with Dublin as well. It's, it's not so much that the club has fallen behind as much as Dublin are kind of like pulling ahead yeah. um, so it's catch up for club but it's you know the responsibilities on on your county players to to bring on your club and push the standards and, and educate your club um, with what you've learned from, from inter-county football so I think there will always be a gap between senior and club yeah. Um, but yeah it's definitely there um, at club level in Dublin In terms of skills um, what would you see is the most underrated skill in the game at the moment and is there anything maybe as underage players that are kind of they're overlooking or just not practicing enough kicking <laughs> and it's it's been uh it just annoys me that that girls not everyone but girls can't kick the ball or when girls do kick the ball it's a pump kick um and when i was younger it used to drive me mad that girls couldn't kick with their instep or couldn't slice the ball or couldn't do all these things that the, the lads on your team were doing and you even see it in ladies football now uh, particularly in club where someone's you know on the 21 right in front of the goal and they pump kick the ball and it goes goes anywhere or they're in on goal and rather than picking their spot you just kick it in any direction towards the goal and hope it goes in and mm-hmm. um, so that really really annoys me I think ladies football uh, relies a lot on hand passing to retain possession and uh, because the kick is so weak and um, 
like and uh, uh, for me it just comes down to to underage level and to to girls themselves who don't watch enough sports don't go out into the back garden and kick around as much as boys would do you know they don't go out and pretend to be certain players like David Clifford or whoever else Sinead O'Hearn or play, pretend to be Messi or Ronaldo in the back garden and trying to kick the ball certain ways girls just my experience growing up um, and teaching in the girls school girls just just don't do that like boys do um, and that's where we're lagging behind and it, it annoys me um, but something that as coaches as role models that we have to encourage and foster in order for the game to improve like it's it's football yeah it's football so yeah you know, we need to be able to kick properly which I think we're behind at the moment out of interest then how often do you practice by yourself and what do you practice by yourself in the pitch um, the, mainly I, I actually practice free taking or kicking the ball okay. out of the bar. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, just shooting really. It's, you know, it's a similar size style kind of kick to a, to a kick out. Um, that, that's what I do. So during the summer when, I, when I'm off from work, it's go down to the club or, you know, stay, um, out after training a little bit because you'll have to get up to next for work the next morning. Um, it's usually, yeah, it's usually kicking kicking the ball against the garage wall. Um, that's mainly it. I have a little reaction ball as well that I, I play with before training uh, most evenings. Uh, but, you know, I just do what I enjoy. I don't go out and train and, and try work on something that I don't enjoy doing. Um, any free time away from football is is more to clear my head and enjoy having a bit of a kick around by myself rather than, I suppose, chasing something. You know, I do that chasing and training and then I, I park it. Um, but yeah, I usually just play around with the football, taking it. Yeah, I was listening to a couple of podcasts this year, and a lot of the intercounty players, men and women, have spoken about the standards that are there now. And it's not just you show up to training at ten to seven for a seven o'clock session; it's you show up maybe an hour early. Is that the standard in Dublin? And it, and you mentioned the reaction ball there. What what would you do before training? Speaking speaking to the right person here, I'll be first to train and always. Um, what time do you I just arrive? I like at? being prepared. Oh God, it could be any time. If I'm if I'm in work, I'll usually go straight from work to train, and so school finishes at four o'clock. Training mightn't start till late, you know. So I'm in the door maybe six, half six. Wow. Uh, but no, look, if you've got extra rehab work to do or prehab work to do, obviously you have to arrive early, and hopefully the gym is free for you to get that work done if you need to see a physio well then you need to arrive an hour early um because there's always a queue uh, little bits and pieces mobilizing doing your own little bits arriving on time i it's just my nature to be early i i don't know how anyone can arrive five minutes before training and 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 be ready to go i think oh you, you need social side as well you need to chat with, with your friends and the team yeah um now for me my routine would be get there early uh, get changed, see the physio, chat for a while, and then play my reaction ball a little bit, do any extra little prehab work I need to do, and then complain about the colds for a few minutes and then go out onto the pitch and get going. Yeah. And is there any, like, when you talk about that standard, um, is that driven more by the players than the management, or was it was that always the standard since you've joined the senior team? It's, it's all player driven like you management are never in the dressing room really never near the dressing room before training it's you know mobilizations at seven a quarter past seven and you know that's the time you're expected out and that's 
the first time you'll really see them unless you, you meet them coming in the door. Um, but it's all player driven. And I think now players are so educated. You know, when you come through the college system now, you're you're mixing with people from other teams, from other counties, um, and the supports are there to educate you on, you know, how to prepare properly and recover properly. So when you go into a dress room in Dublin, people are always doing bits, you know, whether they're doing band work or stretching or rolling or mobilizing or anything like that. People are always chatting and doing those things. And it's just it's it's never a conversation that we need to have or nobody's ever given a, a list of boxes to take before training. It's just just a habit and just culture um, now in in our team anyway. And I suppose it's the same across the board in all counties. Um, but yeah, it's more, we kind of do it alongside having a bit of a, a social before training and catching up with each other. Um, and then we we mobilize on the pitch again as a group. Uh, and that's kind of our, our switch on the ready to go training session. Okay. And when you separate from the group and do your, your goalkeeping um, sessions with the goalkeeping coach, out of interest, how much is your work down to the fundamentals of the game as a percentage maybe to let's say the tactical fancy stuff that you've seen but how much is it just the basics i would say oh i'd say the majority of of every session like we we do our goalkeeper sessions we do our goalkeeper warm-up um drills and then it depends on what the main group are doing do they need a goalkeeper are we doing match related stuff are we doing shooting are we doing defensive and working the ball out sort of work so if the goalkeeper is needed we step in if not like we could spend the whole hour and a half two hours by ourselves doing our own work and that's always the basics like tactical work is kind of done off pitch and then you kind of bring it in towards the end of every training session but yeah it's all very very basic you know moving the feet covering our angles you know getting good contact with the ball but i would also say that with Outfield players, the majority of, of training sessions is working on the basics as well. Um, are, it's nothing's too complicated. Like if you can't, you can do all the tactical work in the world, but if someone's not catching the ball, if someone's not kicking the ball accurately or hand passing, um, well then that that kind of tactical work is going to is going to break down and it becomes redundant then. So I, I would say 78% of every training session is, is basics. Okay. And I was listening to a webinar you did. I can't remember exactly... What, what which one it was it was over lockdown and you were saying that during some of your sessions you kind of have like a cue or a trigger that you use where you remind yourself like fast feet or something I probably have that wrong but you you probably know it better than me yeah like when, whenever I make a mistake or whenever I feel like I've I've you know found a bit of imbalance in my game or my performance in that moment I just think like soft hands and and move your feet like you know if okay. you're if you're if you can't move your feet, you're not getting into the right positions, but then you can't make the save. And if, if your hands aren't soft, the ball's just gonna bounce off them. So soft hands, get rid of all the stress, relax and, and move your feet. That would be my trigger. Anytime anything goes wrong, whether it be myself or as a team, we make a mistake, it's always right. Relax, get back in the moment. And soft hands, fast feet are my basics. They're my foundations for, for everything I do in goalkeeping. So um I just remind myself of them. I was completely wrong then with that one. Uh, where did you pick that up out of interest? Was that something that you had a chat with, um, let's say, your coach or a, a sports psychologist, or where did you find that? No, it's it was kind of just through through experience. Like you know, goalkeeper coaches had a few of them. It's kind of like you know, move your feet. 
like okay if I you know if I'm not moving my feet well then how am I meant to do everything else so it's kind of just something I started saying to myself and the same with soft hands it's just you know loosen out your hands relax and then you'll be able to to catch the ball or you know absorb the shot or whatever so I think it's just something over time I'm reminding myself or they're the basics that are expected of me so do them before you start thinking or stressing about the rest yeah what's it like having a keeper like Abby um training with you like she was named on team or the league of the or team of the league I got mm. that right uh what's it like having that level of competition that let's say if it wasn't for Dublin she was in a different county she would probably be the number one keeper I'd say the sessions are very competitive yeah it's not great <laughs> um <laughs> pressure's on <laughs> Abby has in fairness to Abby Abby has been up with us since she was 16 I think a lot of the team probably still view her as somebody who's, who's sitting in the junior cert even though she's in college now and <laughs> um, she was up with us when she was just training like um, when we were first year minor I think it was 2018 uh, sorry, she was first year minor. 2018, I was the only goalkeeper on the panel. So, you know, as soon as the Dublin minors got knocked out, it was like, right, Abby, up you get. We need another goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, so I think those those two years she had of just pure development and no expectations. Look, here, you're, you're still a minor. You're not getting a game. Mm. You know, she's 10 times the goalkeeper she is now than she, she would have been if that didn't happen in terms of shot stopping ability i've never seen anybody as good as her okay like she's i don't i don't know how she does it sometimes i do be watching her and seeing how she moves she has a few tricks i know some of her tricks <laughs> i just haven't been able to replicate them as good as she is but shot stopping ability she's she's phenomenal and i think you know the year two years you know she's this this girl's going to win all ireland's for dublin's definitely what are her tricks? Are you willing to share them with the public? I'll share they, them. They're no, secret, no. are they? Should be on to on a public forum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, just out of interest, Stephen Cluxon, obviously, uh, just whenever anyone mentions goalkeeper, you know, I, I automatically think of him anyway. Um, was that, is, have you ever had a conversation with him? Um, has that ever been kind of facilitated through your connection with Dublin at all? Now, the only time I've talked to Tucker has been in coppers. <laughs> very late at night. <laughs> I've never I've met him once before that but no never never had a conversation and any with him outside of proper face jacks and inside of it I don't think we were talking about football either uh, no and um, I look I think everyone was trying to replicate him and mm. you know I know Klucko didn't didn't play last season but I think it's moved on another step even from him you look at Noel Morgan and Maury Began were playing as nearly full forwards this year for a lot yeah. of the championship, you know, and so that's that's the next phase. That's that's what goalkeepers are starting to do. I'm not saying now that that you'll I won't be against going up and trying kicking the score, but um, I, I won't be doing that. I don't think. Um, but yeah, Cluxton has has been huge, and I think it was just simply down to looking at the goalkeeper position from an attacking point of view rather than a defensive point of view. Mm-hmm. or shot stopping last line of defence um, kind of thing and kind of that just woke the country up to oh okay this this can be something what else can we do how can we change it how, how much better can we be um, and I suppose there's there's going to be a few more surprises um, coming for goalkeepers of what they're going to do next I haven't a clue but yeah, uh, yeah um, but yeah now Cluxon definitely and, and his team behind him I suppose Jim Gavin and, and his, his teammates giving him the license to to take control and ownership of, 
you know, starting attacks from, from a set play mm-hmm. uh, and from kickouts has been huge, but it's benefited the whole game. It hasn't, you know, everybody reacted to him, um, yeah. which, which is great. Um, it's had a positive impact and I suppose it's filtered down into hurling Camogie as well. And mm-hmm. um, you're seeing the goalkeepers become more involved in games. So it, it's been great, but no, I haven't, I've just been as influenced as everybody else has been by him, but not on a personal one-to-one level, unfortunately. Yeah. There's a great story of him. Um, it could be semi-final or a final that went to replay and it was described as he arrived at training. There was some sort of scenario when he had the laptop out for two hours watching yeah. his, his footwork. Is that something that you would do a lot watching video analysis, whether it's of yourself or even, let's say, if you happen to be watching a, a game, would you be, what are you watching for um, in other keepers and for yourself? In terms of myself, I think uh, you kind of know the mistake you made as soon as it happens and you know what you should have done differently. And I don't think I'd be playing at this level if I if I didn't know that. Like, you know, against Donegal this year, they got a goal from from a kick out and um, just miss kicked the ball. It wasn't good enough. And I remember sitting on the bus on the way home going, Mick's going to come and sit down beside me now and give me an earful. And he didn't. And I, then I sat home and I was waiting for the phone call and he didn't ring. And day, a few days passed and, I, you know, I realised, well, he knows I know the exact mistake he doesn't need to to say anything to me about that and I was kind of like oh you know and that's kind of the first time I kind of realized that you know I'm, I know what mistake I made straight away even Ralph the goalkeeper coach he'd he wouldn't even say anything to me I, I kind of give him the answer before he even asked the question okay um so I don't really look back too much on video analysis um kickouts I would in terms of you lose a kick out what could I have done better uh, but I'd look through all kickouts and kind of see, you know, did I make the right option? Did someone really make a better run? Or, you know, I'd be looking kind of for patterns that my teammates uh, are making their runs. So I know kind of where to expect them to pop up in the next game. Uh, and in terms of other goalkeepers, yes and no. Like I, I would analyse other goalkeepers and kind of feed that back into the group, and um, particularly to our forwards, midfielders and halfbacks and how we're going to try and negate their kickouts. Um, would yeah, no, I would, I would. If another goalkeeper's doing something great, well, then I want to copy them and, and try yeah. to do them one better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't really pay too much attention to to opposition or to okay. you know mistakes that happened. Kind of just right. Well, that game's done. What do I need to do now? How do I need to prepare for for the next game? Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And um, you did reference uh, Began and Niall Morgan. Uh, I do have a picture of you. I'd say around the forty-five in the semi-final. Uh, was mm-hmm. that just was that part of the plan? Is that something that we might see going forward? Or was that uh, you just doing a bit no. of a rogue on it? <laughs> it's not a plan at all. Um, I the further I walk up the pitch, the more people that can hear me. You know, so you know, I'd, if there's no one behind me, I'd like I'd go all the way up. Like there's plenty yeah. of time to get back. It's just just out of habit and just being able to pull a few strings from further up the pitch, especially in Pro Park or venues that might have a, a larger crowd. Um, you can get away with it in the league. Right? Everyone can hear you. Um, yeah. But on bigger days, you know, you need to you need to kind of push up the pitch a little bit. That's what I, I think anyway. But yeah, it's, it's not intentional. Sometimes I get so far and I'm like, oh God, you know, yeah. what am I doing here? I know the bad sign but in this year's All-Ireland Final I think when the at one stage the last minute or second minute I was on the opposition 65 it's like oh for God's sake like come on 
you know, just just pushing up, just trying to contribute, um, and and just be vocal and make sure everyone can hear me. But yeah, no, it's it's not intentional some of the times, but it's it's not to get involved in the play. It's just so I can nag other people. <laughs> and what are you saying to the players in terms of communication? Is there a particular like? not really structure but what what kind of messages are you giving them is it just purely kind of what happens in the moment or is there specific things you, you say yeah so before I go out onto a pitch in the match um I'd kind of I'd have a little notebook and I just write down like our, our key terms or what are we really focusing on what do we need to chase in this game so it's, it would be just about communicating those things and just reminding the team of what our trigger words are you know, and, and, and helping them because, you know, in the heat of battle, you can you can forget these things. You're kind of trying to rely on just instinct. So it's good yeah. to have somebody have a cue in your ear to remind you. And then maybe, you know, I'll be able to, I'll have a better view. So I'll be able to see the pitch and, and see pockets of space or gaps opening up um, for people. So trying to communicate that and then obviously defensively saying, get back or, you know, run, run quicker um, help sort of thing. Um but yeah, no, it's usually just just keywords, triggers, and then just communicating. If I see an opportunity or a threat, trying to negate that. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give players, uh, particularly goalies or even outfield players, because communication is so important everywhere, on developing those kind of communication skills that might not be maybe the most natural um, at, at doing that? It's, I'd say communicating isn't talking. You know, it's communicating effectively has to be a clear and concise instruction you know and a lot of the times particularly you know maybe developing goalkeepers come in for training sessions or maybe somebody in the goalkeeper who's new to the panel you know they might tell someone to watch watch there's a player there watch or mark or just call a name and sure that's that's not helping anyone around you so you need you know concise uh instructions direct instructions so you know left or right and front behind maybe the distance are they five yards ten yards you know do they need to go to the player or just be aware you know do they need to go to the ball or hold or you know what kind of tackle to give uh what type of hand pass is on where in the pitch they are and just helping people make or making the the decision for defenders and communicating that very clearly uh, for them. And it always has to be an instruction. You know, there's, you know, it annoys me when when people say, you know, we need to communicate. We're not talking as a team. You know, you can play a match and win a match and have this perfect performance by not communicating at all if everybody's doing their job correctly. But saying, you know, well done or great stuff or whatever is, and constantly repeating that just becomes quite noise. So I, I just like talk if you have a reason to talk or you have something positive and constructive to, to provide to your teammates, something informative. And if not, well, then shut up because <laughs> you're probably drowning out somebody else's instruction that might be vital for the team. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it just has to be clear. It has to be concise. It has to be an instruction that someone can follow without having to say, well, is the goalkeeper right or should I keep doing what I'm doing? You know, you tell someone what to do. Um, but obviously your instructions have to be the right one as well. So part of that is understanding the game and educating yourself um, to a level in which your decisions are 
99% of the time uh, the right one. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's really interesting. Um, out of interest in the, in the dressing room, who would be sort of, is there a particular player that would be the leader maybe before a game that gives the final couple of words before you go out? Is that something that you would do as a group? Um, generally, last words goes to, to Sinead Hearn just as captain. Um, but in those last words, Mick would say say his last piece. Then if anybody has anything to add, that's grand. It's it's generally it's a it's a more senior player that's been around the block, um, and that people you know have that extra little bit of trust and respect for merely because they they've had the years behind them. But in terms like you know, Sinead Hearn gets last word before the match. But in terms of dressing room, anyone? No, it's like we all encourage and support and and look for everybody to speak up and oftentimes it's the quietest one on the team that has the best thing to say like a prime example would be Orla Nolan you know she she doesn't say much you know but everything she does say is is the gold of like Sinead Ahern as well it's it's so intelligent you're like yeah like how do they know that sort of thing like yeah I wish I was them but you know at half time it's everybody contributes you know okay. back sports the uh, girls on the bench you know what do we see on the pitch what are you seeing from the sideline what do we need to do what are we doing well sort of thing it's you know it's a team we we all kind of contribute nobody it doesn't matter how many years you have under your belts you know everybody's opinion or input um is equal and is welcomed okay um and I've noticed, um, I think it was the Instagram page, there's a couple of flags uh, up in the dressing room. I think they were putting up a few videos before the ga- before the, before the match. Um, what was Is that something a team motto? Was that something Mick has brought in to the squad? Yeah, I don't. I was, I, I was a bit, I know, I raised my eyebrows when I saw those those flags online. I thought, you know, maybe that should have been kept in-house. But okay. I suppose a motto or a saying or anything doesn't, you know, it's it. They're all out there for you to see. Mm-hmm. It's it's where how you use them, I suppose, is important. So yeah, we we every year we kind of our 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 rep group um within the team kind of came up with with kind of our our motto for the year. Not so much a motto. It just kind of you know if you're in the dressing room and just have a read of the flags and it kind of just grounds you a little bit and brings it back in and. You could put those flags up in 31 other counties dressing room. They probably wouldn't mean the same thing to to everyone. Um, no, it's, it's it's just a little a little group reminder thing. Um, but it's also nice to walk into a dressing room and and it's blue and it's decorated with your stuff. Yeah. You know, you know, you're putting your your team's mark on your surroundings rather than walking into a cream cobwebbed, cold concrete dressing room. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point as well. Is that um you mentioned there the group? Is that sort of like a leadership group with um senior players, or is it kind of like elected players from the group? How does that work? Uh, no, it's just be a mix, uh, young and old, um, that are just you know a voice for players. It's just not a voice for players, um, to management or from management to players. It's just kind of like a link group. So even okay. when it comes to social nights, uh, food, fundraising absolutely anything organizing birthday cards or something like that it's just a just kind of no it's about just like a student's council on behalf okay. of, the, of the team sort of thing um it, it just it just works in terms of organizing things that management can say here rep group take over that or yeah. then you know if if somebody has anything they want to feedback to management 
or the group have any issues or you know positives negatives that we need to communicate um through the rep group and then you know we, we'd review we, we'd meet constantly and just review how things are going what can what can we do to to push the standards even further on and off the pitch okay uh, with it within dublin or across clover or county um, who's been the best forward that you've come across in terms of intelligence, vision, movement, accuracy? Is there anyone that just stands out there? Sinead Ahern. Okay. Usually. She's she's like a magician. She's oh, I don't know how she does it. She's just class. Everything, everything about her, like her standards are insane. And the only the only critique I'd have about Nerd would be that she's so softly smoking spoken that everybody has to go quiet in order to hear her. <laughs> Uh, I was like, what did she say? Um, but yeah, Sinead Ahern, she just epitomizes everything a GAH player should aspire to be. She's just phenomenal. Her understanding of the game, her just just everything. I, I You'd expect her to be perfect since she's been playing since she was four foot. Not that she's grown much <laughs> either since then, but she's been around Shane, so In case you're years. listening. <laughs> um, no, definitely, without a doubt, Sinead Ahern. Okay, and is is that do you think that's down to her? Like, it's always this conversation I'm fascinated about. Is it her character? Is it her ability? That the the fact that you mentioned she's a magician, she's obviously practice whatever they say. What is it, ten thousand hours, or is it a bit of both? Do you think? I think it's a bit of both. I think away from the pitch, she's extremely intelligent, um, but she's so articulate. Like I'm an English teacher and. Sometimes she says things or she'd say something in a text and I'm like, wow, like, or like at a banquet or so I remember one year at a banquet I think it might have been the first year we won and me and my sister just looked at each other and we're like, wow, she like, which like, we're just in awe of her, just the way she spoke. I think she's just highly intelligent okay. and loves football and has, and has practiced so much and is just so humble that it just all blends together as the perfect player perfect yeah. person sort of thing um yeah no i think she's just i think everything she touches probably turns to gold yeah she's one of those people yeah i, I should definitely try to get her on the podcast um is is that like when you talk about her practice um is that something that is done at dublin training where you hear dean rock um kind of going out 30 minutes before it's staying for an hour after is that something that's done at training and you mentioned even sometimes you would do it uh look, it depends on the player depends on your time i Sometimes I do it, but a lot of the time I do it away from the pitch. Okay. Kind of do my own thing. I find a lot of the times if I want to do extra, Carla Rowe calls me over to stand and go so she can take shots on me. <laughs> and then someone else joins in and then Woodsy gets involved and something like that. So like as soon as the final whistle blows, I'm gone. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's starting taking penalties or, you know, having the crack with me here. Yeah. I've done my bit. You've had your chance. Um but yeah, it, it just it depends on the person. Uh, right. Free takers always stay behind, um, and that could be up to 10, 12 people. Defenders might decide, you know, I need to chase the block this week. Midfielders often practice the throw in uh, quite a bit, um, okay. just trying to cover all bases of a game that maybe we haven't chased after in training that day. Uh, but it depends. It it depends on the person, mm-hmm. um, and and time available as well. Some girls yeah. work. And high pressure jobs um, and particularly at certain times of year that they mightn't be available or look they just want to get home and get to bed as quickly as they can and and that's fair but as a group it's, it's never doing the extras has never 
ever been an issue. I don't think it's kind of something we pride ourselves on. And if you want to make the team, well, if you're not doing the extras, you shouldn't be surprised if you don't. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But it is up to the player. And even you mentioned their time schedule, like... I don't know how she did it and I'm going to get her on the podcast to explain how but Noelle prime example like the what was her what was her impact coming back like I know she retired but she was back in as the the team doctor I did get a, quite a surprise I think it was the first game this year and I saw her name was that what, what was it like to have her still around the group and did she have much of an influence still or was it just pretty much for her role as doctor huge huge influence like in terms of doctor nutritionist physio and, and anyone's working psychology and the things you need to know individuals you need to know how people tick you need to know how to read somebody's body language and the fact that noelle has a relationship with with everybody on the team you know that noelle soldiered with you she's been through the horrible sessions with you and celebrated the best days with you has been in the dress room you know if for I probably made her job easier, but she she kind of knows how to read people. She understands everyone, knows everybody's needs, knows what's happening in our personal lives, uh, past and present. So, for having her around was just it was great to have someone that you know and who knows you. But then you know you have that relationship there. She's someone you can go to straight away um, as team doctor, as opposed to somebody who's fresh, who's new, who yeah. doesn't really know anything about she was trying to learn yeah. constantly trying to even remember everybody's names never mind everybody's problems and <laughs> um, so yeah it was a massive benefit and I remember being down in I think we were down in Limerick where we were thoroughless I don't know for the first game where Noel was was doctor and I was sitting in the stands and it was the running joke that Noel's gotten more game time on the pitch than <laughs> or more camera time than most people playing dude yeah. uh, and there was a one stage where Shay or physio was running on and he tweaked his ankle, so he was <laughs> he was injured. Noel was just sprinting past him, sort of thing. Oh. Uh, very funny, very memorable day. Um, yeah. But no, it's great. I don't know how how she does everything. Like it's not even the hours in the hospital that she put through; it's the, the studying. Mm, and yeah. at the same time, you know, having a personal life, having a social life, family, friends, mm. and stuff like just superhuman. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if there's any younger players listening that want to become an intercounty player and an all-star like yourself, um, is there, like I've just put three on this, it could be more, but like away from physical ability and genetics, because obviously some of it's down to that, but is there a, like a three-point checklist uh, that it that there is to become a player of that calibre, do you think? I would say the, f- the main thing is, now it's easy to say don't give up. Like there's plenty of times where I gave up like completely. Um, but you know, it's 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 never too late to get called into the panel. You know, you could be in your mid-20s, late 20s getting called in. Like Orla Nolan got an all-star this year and she's only it's only her second year on the panel. Um, and you know, she's not a nipper, like so you know, it's it's never too late. And playing underage football, it it doesn't mean anything. You know, it's a great experience and I suppose it's, you know, you're a step ahead of everyone else, but it doesn't stand for anything. Most of the best players we had in our minor team 2012 when we won the All-Ireland aren't even playing football anymore. Okay. Uh, so it's, it stands for nothing. So, you know, never give up in that sense. Uh, never give up long term. Short term, you can give up because it can yeah. be quite emotional. But yeah. long term, don't, don't write it off. 
Um, and it's probably easier to say as you know a 27 year old than it is to say as a mm-hmm. 15 16 year old yeah um the thing then would be just I suppose enjoy it and there are phases that you go through football where you hate it that you don't want to go to training um you know there are stages absolutely every single year where I might have a bit of a cry on the way to training going I do not want to go here mm-hmm. you know it's cold it's raining you know I played crap in it in the last game I'm not in the mood today whatever and then there's times of the year where it's like oh god I training can't come soon enough like Jesus I want it to happen every single night of the week and why can't it be full-time so you know you'll go through you know peaks and troughs through it but you know it's your hobby you're you're still playing you know you have didn't quit after your first first training session you're you're getting something from it so stick with it um because it is your hobby and it is your passion um and the last thing would be then just just practice um you know make it make it a habit of practicing and make sure that you're enjoying practicing whether it's by yourself and with a group you know if if you're not enjoying it then well then you know maybe you have to take time out and take a step back so what did i practice practice don't give up and don't give up and enjoy it uh, out of interest you mentioned like going through sessions where you don't want to go and I think everybody relates to that um, but what keeps you going because at inter-county level like obviously it's very tough training so when you don't want to go and you're doing these hard runs like I've, I saw in the documentaries where running up and down Phoenix Park like what go, what keeps you through those sessions where you don't want to be there or if they're just flogging you with fitness um you kind of I, I know that the nicer days are gonna are gonna come um you know, summer championship will will be here. Blink of an eye. Um, yeah, it just, it just depends on your mood. And there's there's always someone on the team that that's going through worse than you at the moment. You know, I, for me, I've been lucky to be to be playing football, to be making the certain fifteen, to have a position. You know, and I kind of check myself. And there's girls that there's stuff going on in their personal life. Training is horrible. They're not particularly enjoying it at the moment uh, and they're not getting their game, you know, and, you know, there's always somebody worse uh, off than you. And in life in general, there's always somebody worse than you. And, you know, things are never as bad as you think they are. You're just emotional in that moment. And I absolutely love the team. I love going into that dressing room. Like I forget everything when you go into the dressing room. Absolutely everything. When I see Roth, the goalkeeper coach, like just flips my mood completely. Absolutely every time I go into training. Uh, you know, he's like a drug or something, and he does. He has that effect on absolutely everybody. You know, it's so a fist pump before training, and then ready to rock. And it's like, well, I can't be upset now. This guy's, you know, I'm trying. You know, as much as I try to be on a downer, this guy's on a smile on my face. And I'm like, for God's sake, let me, <laughs> let me have my moment here. Um, but no, it's it's the people. It is it is the people. Like when you're around your friends, you kind of forget about things. You know, and. And that's probably been key to our success as well. Like there's nobody on the team that I wouldn't love to walk into a dressing room and see. Um, so yeah, like the football and the runs and horrible training sessions and weather and stuff, you know, that's never going to cheer you up. Um, so it has to be the people around you. When you mention people, um, who's had the biggest influence on your career? Oh, geez, it put me on the spot here. Um, I probably down to... to Two people. So my manager from under 12 development squads all the way through to minor, Fintan O'Curry, and 21, sorry, 
he had a massive massive influence on me because there was times when I was like 30th picked for on the panel after trials and I know full well that the only reason he picked me because I had a really good attitude you know he'd no intention of ever playing me and he'd never have to be in a position that he would have to play me um until he did until they needed <laughs> until they'd no goalie <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so definitely him and and still I meet him and we talk about it and we reminisce and I don't I don't think it's a case of he saw something in me. I just think he saw this is a girl that absolutely loves playing for Dublin. Yeah. And he used to always say attitude is contagious. And this is a girl that would give absolutely everything, whether she plays or not. Uh, so he just kept giving me opportunity and I, I just kept taking them as best I can. Uh, he's actually the mo- he's on the minor manager. I was just about to say, yeah, team. he's a... Uh... Yeah. Is he co-management with Denise Master? Like Denise, yeah, yeah, they're both yeah. in together, I think. Yeah, so that's that's fantastic. I'm delighted, delighted for him uh, getting back involved in things after I know it must be going on maybe seven or eight years away from the game. Um, and then it has to, it has to be Mick. Like he's, he's he's been huge. It's just I think I think I always had this kind of football intelligence or kind of sporting intelligence. Absolutely obsessed, like. I sit down during the summer and I watch the Tour de France start to finish. Like, I don't think anybody else. Yeah, I definitely like, wasn't. No, like, like it's such a kick off because I'm like, analyzing it and understanding it and watching the tactics. Like, okay. and, you know, so Mick kind of unlocked that and kind of gave me the freedom to to chase it and to you know utilize it as part of the team. Like Mick's very like, you're the players, you're the ones on the pitch. You fix these problems. You find the solution. Here's the tools you need. Then, if he needs to rein things in, you will, of course. But you know, he's it's it's very player driven. Whereas managers in the past have been more kind of, you know, they pull the strings. It's you know, make us a lot of trust. We have to earn that trust as well. And I think we found a nice balance between us. Um, so definitely him. Obviously, the the four All Irelands under him definitely yeah. help. Yeah. But Finton, Finton and Mick. Um, obviously my teammates as well but the biggest influences will, will be them and when you mention other sports um, without giving away the secrets now obviously but is there anything in particular that you've taken like when you mentioned cycling there but you, you hear of a lot of players and teams and Jim Gavin obviously when they got basketball coaches I know Mark Ingle was in with you I, I recorded mm. a podcast with him the other day what have you brought in from, from other sports to your game? Um, I don't I don't know like I kind of you you kind of look to see similarities and you know or what I do doing in that sport and could it be applied to what we're doing? Like I found I found a really good clip online of Thierry Henry analyzing Barcelona and Pep Guardiola's you know style of play with them and I kind of I sent it to Mick straight away and I kind of was like well we've been trying to kind of do something similar that's you know you know, playing with that sort of controlled freedom. That's kind of what we're doing. And it's, you know, all the time we're trying to look to see, you know, how can we apply that to to ours? Like I love going on YouTube and watching analysis of things, you know. I don't know. <laughs> it's giving away all my secrets. Yeah. It's something I enjoy as a hobby. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I like, I like going to my brother's matches and analyzing them and kind of seeing what they're doing, even though they wouldn't be a very successful or, or, talented high achieving bunch of club footballers but 
you know, I, I just constantly analyze and think, you know, could we be doing that? Or we definitely should not be doing that yeah. in the case of my brother's team most of the time. Um, Your poor brother, but, Casey's yeah. listening. You're just throwing everyone under um, the bus. Knows. There's only one brother. <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. There's only one brother that plays football. He knows well. Um, no, it's, it, I, I don't know. I just, I get a kick out of, of analyzing them and even, you know, tennis and stuff. You know, should I be moving like, Roger Federer floats across the ground when I'm trying to get from one post to the other. Can I do that? Definitely not as smooth as Roger Federer, but yeah. no, I try. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's just that's really interesting because across a lot of the episodes, it's come up about looking at other sports, and another thing that's come up was um, it's a quote with a basketball player. Uh, it's a well-known quote, I think, but it's pressure is a privilege. How do you cope with the expectations of being a goalkeeper? first of all at any level because there is an expectation even at club and then playing inter-county for Dublin you're on a big stage you know especially in Crow Park and on final day how do you find coping with with pressure I uh, I don't really know it's it's I don't feel like it ever impacts my performance I think that you know when I'm playing a match I'm I'm not really thinking about external things and there's never really moments of pressure that gets me I, I remember one All-Ireland final and there was it was right before a kick out and somebody was injured and thinking to myself towards the end of the game and maybe they got a score and thinking to myself god this is a really big kick out now we have to win this and that's the only I ended up kicking it to Sinead O'Hearn who ran from full <laughs> forward into midfield and like hoofed the ball on top of her uh, she won it I think she won the breaks maybe I don't know we retained possession anyway yeah. that's the only time I've ever in the moments playing a match felt god i'm under pressure here like as a group yeah we, we're always under pressure i think you know as soon as you win an all ireland all the pressure is on you and uh, everybody else has kind of nothing to lose so it, used to it um and i suppose nobody really likes the dubs so that kind of gives everyone an added incentive to to improve their performance an extra little bit so mm-hmm. as, as a dub you have to kind of counteract that a little bit I'm, I'm used to it and I guess underage we won a lot as well so yeah kind of we expect ourselves to do well um but yeah but I don't know how pressure really I don't think it affects me enough I'm able to kind of park those things uh, or not read into them maybe I don't notice them or don't notice these cues that are pressure but uh yeah I don't know it, it doesn't really affect my game I don't think Okay, fair enough. Um, I've asked a lot of people this question. Um, but what would be your definition of success? Um, that's a, it's, you can achieve something, but is it? I suppose success might be a kind of a feeling, a sense of contentment in yourself that you know you can you can feel like you've succeeded without having achieved anything. You know. Um, you know, an achievement would probably be a goal, but if you, success is kind of your reflection on your journey towards working towards an end goal, like, you know, you may never, in the case of GA, you may never play in Crow Park, but you still could feel that, yeah, my my playing time was a success. I'm content with how I performed, you know? So, yeah, I suppose success isn't probably something measured more so than if, feeling you have of yourself it's definitely something individualized anyway 
Brilliant. Nobody has ever kind of said feeling before, so I, I like oh. that answer. I'm going to move oh, on thanks. to the. I'm going to move on to sideline seven. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode, and I'm after just realizing that I never sent you the questions, and I never oh. sent you the the Zoom the Zoom link. So we just go on a wing here. Uh, okay. if you can take it as fire round or thought provoking, whatever you wish. Uh, I'm going to question one. What is your favorite quote? Um. Champions aren't made in gyms. Champions are made from something they have deep inside them. The dream, a desire, a will. But the will has to be greater than the skill. It's a Fintan O'Curry. It's I think it's Vince Lombardi, is it? Or Fintan O'Curry sounds, used to Yeah, it sounds familiar. Mm, Fintan O'Curry used to repeat that to us and kind of that resonated with me. Yeah. And that I'm the slowest on the team. I'm probably one of the weakest, but I'll try harder than the rest of you. Brilliant. Uh, question two. This would be interesting now with your interest in other sports, but what's been the best sporting event you've been to? And you can pick maybe one as a fan or one involved as a player. And um, when... Oh, God, I, was, I had a lot... Oh, when Cluxton scored that winner, I was, I was in the Cusick stand and I was kind of had a lovely... I was kind of between the ball, like bird's eye view from the ball to the black spot. Yeah. So it was probably the best view in the house watching that go over. And I remember... I remember crying with my man uh, over that just completely you know oh what a time to be a dove but yeah that yeah that was probably it I was at I was in the Aviva when the All Blacks or when Ireland beat the All Blacks two years ago three years ago yeah um that was pretty insane as well my first and only rugby match <laughs> I think it was a good one to go to yeah I think maybe Cluckow beats that yeah brilliant is there any particular sporting event on your bucket list out of interest then um, oh, it depends on the time of the year. At the moment, I want to go to the Formula One. Uh, Wimbledon is definitely up there to to sit on centre court in Wimbledon. Class. I'd love a free pass to the Olympics. We can we can choose what events to go to and yeah, not to be confined to tickets. Yeah, just it depends on the year. I I take them all. Yeah. Is there any particular All Ireland win that stood out for you across underage and, and senior? Um, uh, probably 2017, um, winning the first senior All Ireland, just on the back of the losses and just like doing it, like actually achieving this thing. Like you know, you dream of playing for Dublin and doing all these things, and it's nearly something you dream of that you don't feel is is attainable at certain times. Yeah, that will ever come true. It's just a dream. Um, but yeah, that oh yeah, definitely. I remember listening to the countdown from 10 and just thinking, wow, this is actually happening here. Yeah, yeah, that's class. Uh, question three, biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it? Um, Oh God, I don't know. Setback or challenge? Possibly, oh, this is going back, going back years, but possibly in under 16s, I got dropped off the panel. And I thought, this is it. Like, I'll never, ever, ever play for Dublin again. And I just went down to the football pitch every day of the summer. I used to carry a bag of footballs. And it's a 40-minute walk. Uh, and just just practice for the fun of it. And half for the fun of it, half to improve. Um, but, yeah, I kind of I kind of gave up on things then. And when I did get back into to the team the next year, I was number 30. Like, I wasn't getting my game. So there was a period of, like, three years there where I just, I thought, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy being part of the team. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to happen to you. But I just stuck with it. I just knew I wanted to be a part of Dublin, whether it was number one or number 30. Um, I saw, and I really appreciated it. So I think 
I reacted by just appreciating the opportunity of being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked out for me in the end. If I was to go back and meet 16-year-old Kira doing the 40-minute walk to kick, and I told her that you're going to go on here and not only go back to the rugby team, but start in goal and, and win on Ireland medals, what would you say? I'd probably cry. <laughs> <laughs> Very emotional at, at, at 16 years of old, years age. Um, yeah, I'd, 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 probably, I'd probably cry to know that, you know, what I was falling asleep, dreaming of, thinking of constantly that it would actually ever come true. I don't think it would change. I think I'd have a cry, say thanks and keep on walking out to the football pitch. Like I wouldn't turn around and go job done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think it's as much of a dream now as it is then. Like, okay. I still think, God, what would it be like in Crow Park if the final whistle went? Like, even though I've experienced it yeah. four times, like, yeah. I still think, well, what would I do? Yeah. How would I react? Like, what would it feel like? Yeah. No, so it's as, as alive now as it was then. Brilliant. Um, question four, I, I probably know the answer to this now, but your biggest achievement on or off the pitch? Um... It, it, it would probably like be the positive influence I have on people. My it's definitely a different answer to what I, I would have had when I was when we won the All Ireland in 2017. I definitely would have picked that. But you know, there's little girls you meet that have pictures of you on their bedroom wall, and you know, you know, they say you're their favorite player. If they've done their their project in school on you, um, I'm a little cousin Jay. Jesus, she is. He's obsessed with football and Dublin and with me. And it's it's just because of, of playing for Dublin and it's just because of that that role and responsibility and it's having that positive impact on someone younger, you know, like and influencing them the same way Denise Masterson did to, to me. Yeah. Even though I think I only met her once when I was younger. Jesus, there's no one else I wanted to be more like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so to be, you know, that role reversal and to have that effect on someone is, is, is huge, and it's a great honor and privilege, and it really kind of grounds you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back, what advice would you give your eighteen-year-old self? Work on your speed, get quicker, get quicker. Yeah, very good. Uh, who would be your dream dinner guest, and why? And you can open up the table if you want to a few people. Um, um, Elton John. Okay. I've thought about this quite a lot. Oh, Elton have you? All John right. So you're well prepped born. for this question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Elton John, Judy Dench, okay. uh, Big James Bond fan. Uh, and I just think she's gas as well. And then probably, I guess, uh, probably Robert De Niro. Okay. I think he's dry and funny. And I just think that would be a great mix. I don't think I'd have to do any talking or input. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Very good. Be happy with entry. Yeah, it, it's now become nearly a, a question on the segment, and it's it, it's a good question. But what would be on the menu? What what would be for dinner? Jesus, um, I do I do like fancy food. I do like my food. What would I pick? Oh, I'd have to go for something like Italian, maybe a bit of duck, but then I'd have a vegetarian option. Oh wow. Um, I would stay away from dessert because we'd be too full, and there might be a few <laughs> bit of cheese bit of honey you've really you know, thought this through wine <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm a foodie i i like my nice food yeah um but yeah probably yeah some, something like like that would be a good meal now it'd be a decent feed it wouldn't be just like a nice pretty yeah. tiny portion yeah you know yeah. you'd be you'd be well fed going home yeah 
Final question for I let you go. You've been so generous with your time. Uh, if your life was a book, what chapter would this be called? The beginning of the end. <laughs> beginning of the end. Is that you nearly retiring yourself, is it? Be- feeling old now, yeah. I'm a bit, I'm a bit achy these days. That's the start of it. There might, yeah. be, there might be a second book, I don't know. But yeah. This is the beginning of the end of the first one. Brilliant. Kira. look, that, I really enjoyed that. Uh, very best of luck next year and beyond. And thanks a million for coming on. Yes, thanks very much. massive thank you to Kira for joining me on the podcast today I thoroughly enjoyed our chat and I hope you got something from it I just want to wish her and all of her teammates the very best of luck with the upcoming season if you are enjoying the podcast I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does help the show grow thanks to Actimed for sponsoring the episode as always thank you for listening and I'll catch you in the next one